welcome to Positive Talk with Kevin McDonald. Hey, that's me. Hi, and welcome to Positive Talk. Our show features the best positive stories and people from around the globe as we endeavor to answer the universal question of why am I here and what is my purpose? Understanding that can change everything and knowing your greatness is fundamental to living your best life. So join us right now as together we work to create the adventure of our lifetime. And welcome to the show, everybody. It's Wednesday at four o'clock, and this is the adventure of my lifetime. And I do have to tell you, we've got a great guest here today because I always like to save the best for the last. And this is our last show for a while on KKNW. And uh, I hope that everything works out and I'll be able to return at one point. Uh, but first, I have to talk to my friend Eric because this is a 20-year adventure in the making. Eric, how are you? Hey, good afternoon, Kevin. Uh, how are you today? I'm awesome, thank you. It's a beautiful day. Well, it's rainy. It's, we're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna get another atmospheric river, so you can go fishing in the in the air, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looks like we got showers for a couple of days, but then. It looks like a, a partly to mostly sunny weekend, so I'll take it. I will indeed as well. Temperatures so, above fifty degrees in in February. I yeah. know it sounds it's, good to me. It it does sound good. And and by the way, you've known this for the last couple of weeks that this is uh, that we need to take a little hiatus from KKNW. I have got to tell you, I've enjoyed my time here. You are the utmost professional. And you are a great guy to work with uh, every day on the air. Well, thank you very much. And uh, the feeling is mutual. And we're sorry to see you go. Uh, but uh, hope to have you back here before 20 years pass. <laughs> well, it, it better be before 20 years pass. I can, can tell you that right now. Uh, because, but, you know, 20 years ago, I had the, the, the sad occasion where I had to do the same thing. And uh, had a bunch of people call and say, uh, where the hell are you going? But, uh, you know, what, what do you do? And so if you would like to call, you are welcome to do so. And Eric can talk to you. And uh, we can actually put you on the air. And, and that would be 425-373-5527. I've never forgotten the numbers. I, I sleep with those numbers tattooed on my arm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. But in the meantime, I've got to tell you, we've got a great guest, and I thoroughly enjoyed our first time together. Uh, and it was just last week, but there's so much for him to talk about. He has written over 20 books, he's done fiction, he's done critically acclaimed self development and personal help guides. He has some. Uh, workshops that we're going to be talking about. He's an accomplished uh, uh, screenwriter, and he can help you, even if you're an accomplished writer, do better, or he can help somebody that is a brand new writer that is just trying to figure it all out. He can help you do that as well. So he's a coach, he's an author, he's a screenwriter, and uh, he does all kinds of works. And uh, his name is Mark David Gerson. And I welcome him to the show right now. Mark David, how are you, sir? It is a pleasure to see you again. I am great, Kevin. It's great to be back with you. I tell you, it the last time that we talked, 
I learned a great deal about you. Even even some of the books that uh, and some of the things that I talk about, like uh, intuition and following your heart and and living your best life. You live those uh, philosophies, don't you? Well, to the best of my imperfect human ability, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing: is that nobody's perfect. Right. Um, but but if you set the proper intentions and you intend to do the very best you can, even though sometimes it doesn't work out as well as you'd hoped, but most of the time it's a good it's a good idea anyway to follow, don't you think? Right. I, in fact, I talk about perfection and perfectionism a lot um, in my books for writers and in some of my Way of the Fool books as well, because honestly, perfection we all think we want it, but it doesn't really exist. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a pointless exercise to go after it. Now you've written over 20 books. You've got, I think three on the way that you're birthing this year. And uh, maybe by the time we get done, there'll be four. I don't know. <laughs> or five, who knows? <laughs> but, but you are a prolific writer. And so somebody from the outside would look at you and say, Boy, he's really talented, and he's done a lot of a lot of stuff. He's living his dream and stuff. So it's easy for for others to look at you and say, "Man, Mark David Gurn has it all together." Oh um, God, I I wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what was it that got you started in writing and following your dreams in this way? Well, um, I never wanted to be a writer. Um, I never thought I was creative. And in school, I ran from anything that involved um, creativity and writing. Um, and um, But apparently, um, there was a destiny that um, I couldn't run fast enough to avoid. <laughs> uh, you know, you can run, but you can't hide, right? Well, I couldn't, I couldn't even run fast enough. Um, and little by little, I kind of got, I, I, I like to joke that my muse tricked me to becoming a writer. So little by little, um, it's, it happened until suddenly I realized, wow, I'm actually earning my living writing and it's nothing I really thought I wanted to do, but this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. This is, this is really who I am. Now, originally, did you not want to write because you didn't think you could or? Well, I think, I think that looking back, because at the time, I don't think, I don't think I had a reason. I just knew I didn't want to do it. Uh, but looking back, I think I was terrified of being judged. Um, and you know, when you're de dealing with with the creative arts, whatever they are, there's there's no black and white. It's all it's all shades of gray, and um, which means there's no there's no universal right way and there's no universal wrong way. And I was just terrified that I would get ridiculed, I would be humiliated, I would be judged. And um, so I gravitated toward math when I was in school because in math there was only one right answer. And if you got that one right answer, well, you couldn't be judged. Um, but I had some experiences that kind of that kind of opened me up um, to my creativity. And uh, once that happened, there was no turning back. Well, the fun part for me to talk to someone like you is that you went through a journey in, in your life that, that led you to this. And you had people that came into your life that pushed you in this direction. And that happens to, I think a lot of us 
if we pay attention and say yes to those things. Because I, I remember the last time that we talked, there was a young lady who wanted <laughs> you to go to a, uh, a seminar or or a writing workshop, a writing work, a creative writing workshop, and you were hesitant to do that. But she was. And the way you described it was that she was a mild-mannered young lady, but in this particular case, she would not take no for an answer. That is that is very correct. And um, she was not the sort of person who would normally not take no for an answer. So that was what was so unusual about the situation. And um, I was working at the time um, as a as in-house as a freelance magazine editor in a, at a Toronto magazine. And it was a Monday morning, and Karen came into the came into the office and corralled me and said, "I I took this writing workshop at the University of Toronto on Saturday, and you have to take it." And um, I didn't say no way in hell, but I certainly. <laughs> but that was pretty much what I was thinking because, again, my you know my although I was writing at the time, I was doing freelance um, magazine writing and corporate writing and government writing. I certainly wasn't writing anything anything from the heart, anything that was mine. And although I could I would have described myself then as a good writer, I certainly wouldn't have described myself as a creative writer. Um, I would have described myself more as an artisan than an artist, maybe. Um, and um, but Karen just, just wouldn't let up that that Monday, and by the end of the day, um, I had this is this was this was before there was an online. By the end of the day, I had found the um, the uh, the continuing education catalog, and I had signed up for the work for the next workshop. And when you got to the workshop, I'm curious to know: were you apprehensive or were you excited about the opportunity? Terrified absolutely terrified um and because what carol the the instructor who later became my mentor um was really teaching us to do what i what i teach people to do to do now is to go within trust what you find there and get it out onto the page um without without judgment without censorship without second guessing and I was all set to judge, uh, second guess, and censor pretty much anything and everything. And I had a really rough time at the, at, at the workshop, at, the, at least for the first part of the workshop, because um, I didn't want to go there. I was really, really reluctant to go there. I was scared to go there. And I was scared to go there for what I might discover. I was even more scared to go, to go there for what I might have to reveal. Um, oh. but by the end of the workshop, I was hooked. And when, when Carol said, uh, if anyone wants to continue with me, um, um, from my home, I'm going to offer a series of, of, you know, I can't remember if it was monthly or occasional workshops to follow from this. And, um, you know, you talked about saying yes. And, and I, I said yes. And I worked with her as a at those workshops and then as a as a as a, as a writing as she was my writing mentor she became my spiritual mentor and really um it was that one moment in that um in that magazine office um in the young eglinton center in in midtown toronto that changed my life that happens i think to a lot of us that we have an event that will that we don't even know where it's going 
and then suddenly it, it will change everything about who you are. And I really think that that comes from somewhere else. It comes from the divine. It comes from our higher self. Do you no, agree with that? Absolutely. And again, how, how, however you want to characterize that, you can call it higher self, you can call it God, you can call it whatever you want, because it's something that our minds try to attach a label to, but it, it's, beyond, it, it's beyond understanding. So we, we call it whatever we call it. Uh, but yes, it's 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 bigger than our human self. However, you want however you want to characterize that, and that's happened to me multiple times over the years. I've had I've had defining moments that didn't that I didn't know were defining, except in retrospect, um, that that changed the course of my life. Uh, but that was that was certainly a big one, um, and seemed, you know, I mean, there was nothing about it that seemed so huge. Um, on the surface, you know, Holly right. comes up and says, go take a writing workshop. And you say, no, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> and um, not realizing what the import of that is. And I think, I think in a sense, we're protected from knowing the import of our, uh, some of our of decisions like that. Because if I had known, I think, in that moment in my life, what this was going to do, I really would have run screaming from the building. As who I as as who I was then. Yes, but it did you do you find now this is the one thing that I've I have come to really enjoy, and that is as I get older and I can now look back on the events of my life and the people who came into my life at a particular moment in time and then left, and somebody else came in to carry the, the ball a little bit farther, and then they left. Um, I told you last time about the uh, gentleman that really honestly changed my life because I ended up going to college that I did not expect, ended up in a drama class and was the lead of several plays. And it really, and that's where I met my wife and we had kids and all that kind of stuff. So, it, and then that was uh, 40 years ago. And then 20 years ago, I had a guy that we were uh, doing some spiritual work and I was trying to, because I didn't understand everything and I wanted to, because I felt like, is this all there is or has to be more? And so I went in search of more, whatever that was. And he said, we should do a television show. <laughs> and that ended up being uh, the radio show that he decided that it wasn't for him, but it was for me. So I haven't talked to him in 20 years. <laughs> because his job was to push me to that next level to get me on that path and and then uh, I could take it from there and it's like that, a relay race you know they pass the baton from one from one from one person from from one person one person one one inspirational person to the to the next Yes, and, and the interesting thing is that neither of these people, since I haven't been in contact with them, has any idea, and he, this is kind of one of those teaching moments. They had no idea what impact they were going to have on my, on my life. Well, and, and, and this woman in, in that Toronto magazine who I have had no contact with for 40 years? That's a little terrifying. 40 <laughs> I can't. I can't be that old, so that can't be right. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I haven't had contact with her probably. Well, certainly since I left Toronto, but probably since I left the magazine, um, 
she has no idea. I have no idea where she is, um, what she's doing, and she certainly has no idea what she triggered in me with that one, that one moment when she came back so enthusiastic from the writing workshop. And she never went. She never worked with this person again. And I worked with her for years. It's it's amazing. And the, the reason I bring that up is because I want this to be a teaching moment for everybody in the audience. If you are sitting in your car and you have got one of those moments where you don't know what you want to do, you, you like I say in the opening, I, I don't know what I want to do. Why am I here? What am I really supposed to do? What is, what is my soul teaching me and telling me? Pay attention because yeah, there are people around you that are trying to help you. I think it's important to say yes, even when we're terrified. Um, yep. And maybe it's important to say yes, mostly when we're terrified, because it's that terror that is probably showing us that something big is coming. Exactly. Now, I got to ask you, because though you were concerned about judgment and about how people were going to judge your writing, what was your thought process when you finished your first novel and you decided that you were going to publish it and you sent it out. Was that also another scary moment? Um, not as much. Um, I think I'd gotten, I'd gotten past a bunch of that. Yeah, you know, I think, I think creative people are always concerned about how people view them because if you're writing from deep places, then you're really exposing yourself on the page. And even in the Moon Quest, which is a fantasy novel, um, in a sense, it's still my story. Um, it's just my, 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 my story, excuse me, my story in, meta, in, in metaphoric terms. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, when you write from deep places, which is what I do and what I teach, um, you really putting your nakedness in a sense out into the world. And, um, but the other thing that I, I teach in all my in all my uh, books for writers, and certainly in my other self help books, is it's important to let yourself be vulnerable, because it's that it's it's that vulnerability that makes us human, and it's that vulnerability that that then touches other people and, and gives them permission to be vulnerable as well in the world. And you also have done a screenplay of that particular. Yes, I did um, before the Moon Quest was published. Um, but I had, I had what I then thought was a final draft. A friend of mine said, why don't you write a screenplay adaptation? I said, I don't know how to write a screenplay. So I said, no. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a history of like saying no a few times and then saying yes. Um, and, then she, you know, and then she asked me again a while later. And then she asked me again a while later. And I thought, well, you know. So I went into, I started looking. I, I didn't know how to write a screenplay. Um, but I went into then um, Borders and Barnes and Noble and looked for screenwriting books. And the problem I kept finding was that screenwriting books and screenwriting workshops and screenwriting classes were, were all very much about rules and structure. And everything that I, all the ways that I write and all the ways that I live and all the ways that I teach, it's the antithesis of structure. It's, it's flow. It's allowing the story to to flow, basically. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, we talked about this last time. I, I knew nothing about the Moon Quest when I began writing it. Absolutely nothing. I didn't even know I was writing a book when I started, when I wrote that first scene in, in a writing workshop I was teaching. Um, and I only discovered the story as I was writing it. 
And so I couldn't really find books. I mean, I found books on formatting, of course, because I mean, the screenplays have a certain format. But in terms of, you know, they all talked about outlines. I never outlined. They all talked about, you know, uh, using index cards to organize your scenes. I don't do stuff like that. because if I don't know where the story is going, how can I write index cards? Um, they talked about, um, again, very a very structured approach. And at a certain point, I did find one or two books that were sort of helpful. I did find one workshop. I actually, um, at this time, I, I happened to be sitting in a, um, I think it was a Borders Cafe, actually, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I opened the, um, the, the weekly alternative newspaper and saw an ad for the screenwriting conference in Santa, in Santa Fe that was happening like the next month. And I signed up. So that was very fortuitous. And so I got some, some good stuff from, from there. Um, and in fact, I ended up I ended up teaching at that at that at that at that conference a few years later, which was very cool. Um, but um, in the end, what I realized was, you know what? I didn't know how to write a novel when I began writing the Moon Quest. Yeah. So and... if I can, if I could trust the story to put itself in novel form. Could I still, could I trust the story now to take that novel form, which is just one form of the bigger story, and convert it into a different form? And that's what I did. And, you know, I I was more confident, sort of, about the novel because I, I read novels. I don't necessarily read screenplays. So, you know, when I was when I put the screenplay out into the world for the first time, I thought, you know, this is probably not very good. Um, but the first person who read it wanted to produce it. And they're still working on that process. And they're still working on it, yeah. But the, the good news is that uh, is that she is now interested in, because I've done, I've done screenplays of all the stories um, in the series. The third story, The Sun Quest, I actually wrote the screenplay first and then wrote the novel from that. That's the first time I've, I ever did that. Um, but she's interested in producing the entire series. So, of course, as the project has gotten bigger, it's gotten more complicated, more expensive, and more challenging. But I'm I'm confident that it, that it is going to happen. Um, and, um, yeah, I, 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 somehow it's going to happen. Well, and I would then like to submit again that when you were sitting in that cafe and you were looking at a magazine a alternative magazine and you opened up the the, the uh, magazine to the ad that was by design absolutely the, the timing was perfect i was ready to do it at that moment and there was there was the there was the workshop there was a conference rather um, major conference on screenwriting happening where I happened to be. I had just gotten a new credit card that I, I could put it on the credit card. I mean, it was just like everything, everything came together for that. It for all that. lined up for you. It all lined up. And then um, I can't remember if I told this story last time, but I was doing a, a, a my, once the Moon Quest came out, I was doing a, my first, one of my first book signings for it, and it was a Borders in Albuquerque, because that's where I was living at the time. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, I was sitting at a table in the middle of the store. There was a big poster next to me that had a blow up of, of, of the cover. It's a different cover now, the original cover. 
And um, the funny thing about doing book signings when you're not very well known um, is that um, people skirt, make a, a big detour around your table because they don't they they don't want to be they don't want to be hustled, right? But this woman saw the poster, was attracted by the poster. She came up and she picked up the book and she turned it over and read, read the, looked at the cover, then turned it over and read, read the description on the back and looked at the picture and looked at me and said, oh, are you the author? Well, I said, yes, thinking nobody else would be stupid enough to sit here but um, <laughs> and take the kind of abuse of ignorance, you know, of, of, of avoidance that I was getting. And she said, this sounds great. I think it's going to make a great movie. And I said, well, it's funny you should say that because I've just written a screenplay adaptation of it. And she said, well, it's funny you should say that because I've just started an independent production company. Oh, my. She said, I'm going to buy the book. And if I like the book, I'm going to want to see the screenplay. Well, she loved the book. And to my amaze, I was less surprised that she loved the book. I was amazingly surprised that she loved the screenplay. There I was. There I didn't have a lot of, again, I had no experience. Um, it's not like I was immersed in the world of screenplays and screenwriting like I was in the world of, you know, of fiction. I mean, I've been, I've been, you know, a, a readaholic since I was, I was, since I could read, basically. So I read lots of books. <laughs> I had not had that kind of level of experience with screenplays. So I really had no idea it was any good or not. And especially as I had not followed any of the so-called rules for screenwriting as in, in writing it. It's amazing. It's amazing to me because, uh, she was there and do you know how many people have written screenplays and they shop them all over hollywood yeah. Yeah. and people yeah. people can never uh and a lot of times it's like well even even sylvester stallone when he wrote rocky oh um, yeah 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 there, there's a great big story around that one and uh he you know it he didn't get it accepted right away right. and and you you for whatever reason um, and I think it's because of how you approach these things. Uh, you well, I, I, I like to say that um, I'm open. Um, I'm open to magic. I'm open to miracles. I'm open to synchronicities. And I, I'm aware of them. You know, I, 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 I don't say, oh, that's nothing. I pay, I pay, I guess what I'm saying is I pay attention. Yes. And when... You know, again, just like the timing of that of that screenwriting conference, in the moment when I was ready to, to write this, um, this woman happened to be in Borders the day I was doing the book signing. She wasn't in there because I was doing a book signing. She had in there because she had been next door at Massage Envy getting a massage and came in to get a coffee. <laughs> so, you know, it's not like, yes, it was planned, but not at any, not at any remotely human level. Um, and, uh, you know, she's now a good friend and, um, and she's still committed to, to the project. And I'm, I'm convinced that it'll work out for you. You know, the, the interesting thing for me, it's, it's music. Um, because when I was going through this period, I had started doing a radio show a couple hours, um, a week on a small station in Tacoma. And one of the upper people at where I worked, I was a mid-level manager. He was a department head, was driving through Tacoma and happened to listen to it. And I was talking about meditation and stuff. And he 
approached me the next day at, at work. So it became kind of a, a big deal. And then it was like, should I continue? Should I not? There are people that are not happy with it. But then there was this song. And this song kept showing its ugly face, not its beautiful face, to <laughs> me all the time. And it was called I Hope You Dance by Leanne Womack. Mm. I don't know if you know that song. But it basically the song is uh, live your life and rather than sit down and just watch life goes, go by, I hope you dance. Mm, I hope you get up and you live your life to the fullest. And even if you can't dance well, just get up and dance. Do something that you didn't think that you could do. And that in, in, I would I would be sitting in my car and I would be thinking about you know, do I not, do I, do what, what, and that song would come on. Hmm. And it was like, no, it was, and I took it like whoever is on in charge. I don't know how they do that, but whoever's in charge and they were encouraging me to continue to, to, to dance, not to sit there and to, and to say no, but to say yes and get up and dance. That yeah. was in, I, every time I ran into, you know, self-doubt and I don't know about you. I know you've written 20 books. You probably never have self-doubt. <laughs> I write 20 books because I have self-doubt. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I was, I was doubting whether or not I could do it. Then even when I got into doing the radio show, I doubted whether or not I was any good at it sure. and, and stuff. And as it turns out, I didn't, I didn't suck terribly apparently because <laughs> uh, I'm still doing it 20 years later. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that um, when, again, you know, the, the, the guy who, who heard you on the radio and the woman who walked into borders and the, uh, you know, these things happen to us all the time, but we have to be available and we have to open and we have to listen. And then, and you say, we have to say yes, because it's easy to say, oh, that's just a dumb coincidence and move on. Um, but they're not dumb coincidences. Um, they're meaningful coincidences. And um, and then we and then it's up to then it's up to us to act on them. Exactly. And I, I I'll give you another one. When I when I decided that I wanted to do radio more so, my boss came to me and said, you know, I don't think it's appropriate for a district sales manager to be doing um, radio and be talking about meditation and spirituality and those kind of things. I, I, I just don't feel comfortable with that. And in the next breath, he said, oh, by the way, our company is about to be sold. <laughs> so so it, this, this is a, I have to tell this story. It's my last, indulge me, it's my last show, so I get to tell this story. <laughs> Uh, and so, uh, two weeks later, U.S. Food Service came in. This was a Lion Food Service at the time, and they were going to buy uh, a Lion Food Service. Now, U.S. Food Service did not have a branch in Seattle. They had one in Portland. So they were going to move their operations to Portland, and some of the people, they had a great big meeting, and we all got an envelope. In that envelope, some of us got a, uh, welcome to the team. We're glad you're here. Others of us got, well, here's your severance package. It's been nice. <laughs> and it's been nice knowing you and, and, we'll, and we'll see you. But, and, and at the same time that, that this was going down, KKNW, which had been a news format, CNN news format, 
was flipping their format at the beginning of the year. This happened right in December. They were flipping their format into a block programming format so that I could buy time on the radio station, sell advertising, and and begin my own company. And so that's what I it decided to do. And all this happened within a two week period. That's so great. I go into the um, I go into the general manager's office and the uh, and the um, human resources guy from the other company is sitting in there. And uh, I said, hey, look, I don't want to work out of Portland. I've got another opportunity, but I'm going to need unemployment in order for, to make that happen. And he said, nope, I'm sorry. We don't we don't do unemployment. And I said, well, let me let me paint a picture for you. You've got a guy who who had my job before I had my job. He's now in procurement. He's been with the company 20 years and you're going to pay him a year's severance pay and benefits for that year because you don't have a spot for him. I'm suggesting that you give my spot to him and give me unemployment for six months. And um, he looked he looked at me. The, the, the general manager's eyes were big as a saucer. <laughs> he said, what the hell are you doing? And, uh, and the, so the human resources guy thought a moment. He goes, I'll be right back. So he leaves the room. And he goes to talk to somebody else, and and then he comes back and he says, "Okay, you got a deal." Wow. So, so I was able to save this other guy's job, right. who had, and and be able to strike out on my own and go to this new radio station and do the the show two hours, and it was all of it just fell in line perfectly, and I got my uh, unemployment for six months, and that was you know. So all of those things just kind of lined up. And that happens to us, doesn't it? I, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's what happens when we pay attention, when we're open, when when we when we make ourselves available, um, and then when we say yes. Even if we have to say no a couple of times first, like I did, like I have done a few times. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think maybe to say no the first time rather than to jump at everything, but it kept for you, it kept coming back. It's not yeah. like you, you said, no, I don't think so. And it was still there. And eventually you talked yourself into it. Well, that's how I did up teaching too. I, and I said no the first two times as well. Um, and said, and then, and then actually I had a very powerful dream. Um, I was doing a lot of, I actually was seeing a Jungian therapist at the time and doing a lot of dream work and paying a lot of close attention to my dreams. And the dream was, was there was no wiggle room on the interpretation of the dream because basically in the dream, someone says, I have to teach and you can't really find a way around that. It was so clear. I woke up and I said, I guess that's it. I have to do this. And what do you think it is about you that would that said it that way rather than to say, man, wasn't that a weird dream and go have a cup of coffee and go back? <laughs> well, you know, I think who I used to be um, um, before the creative opening led to the spiritual opening um, would have said that. Um, but as I allowed myself um, through the, the workshops and the mentoring to go within, to, to, to actually look inside and to trust what I couldn't touch because who I was, you know, initially was, if you can't, if, you, if you're five physical, if, if, 
your five physical senses don't validate its existence. It doesn't exist. Right. And I got to the point where my five physical senses are now this bit, this much of a much bigger picture. And so, yeah, I began so I, so dreaming, you know, paying attention to my dreams was part of it. The more I paid attention to my dreams, the more I remembered my dreams and the more my dreams became interesting like that. So, so I, and I'm struck if somebody would like, if, if somebody is having dreams or would like to have, have their dreams interpreted, you said that you were with a young, a young, young therapist. Very a good. A, a therapist who who follow who who basically works with Carl Jung Carl Jung's um, philosophies, and Jung was very much into, among many other things, into into dream work. Um, so I would bring my dreams into the sessions, and and we would talk about them. If you don't, if you wake up and you remember your dreams, but then you go back to sleep and then you forgot it, you forget all about them, um, write them down. I would recommend if that's your case. Would you recommend that? Well, what I was doing at that time was I kept my journal by my bed. Um, and when I woke up in the middle of the night and remembered a dream, I would write it down in that moment. Um, and the more I did that, the more I remembered. Now, I don't do that as much now, um, but that was what, what made the dreams more memorable because very often we wake up in the middle of the night and 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 think that was cool and go back to sleep and it's gone uh you, you know and you, and you wake up two hours or three hours later and and you have no memory or maybe you have just a little because sometimes something will happen and you think oh now i remember now i remember the dream something something triggers the memory but very often it's gone it once once it's gone it's gone i've been told by many, many people who are um, sensitive to dreams and also by psychic mediums and by other other folks that are interested in energy work mm -hmm. that between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. Oh, you're smiling. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm going to say? Yeah. Between 3 and 5 a.m., there is the, it's like the veil is thinner. There's a and window. So, there's a window, kind of, yeah. Yeah. So people can, on the other side, or your guides, or the universe, or or whoever, whatever label you choose to assign it, can reach you, and that's what happens um, in in the middle of the night. It also can happen in the shower. If you've if you ever been taking a shower and you get this wonderful idea. Uh, that just pops into your head is because of the uh, the electricity and the and the energy that is surrounding you at that particular moment. So uh, the other thing, uh, you know, the other thing is that when we're asleep, when we're in the shower, when we're walking the dog, we're not focused on anything in particular. So 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 almost by definition, we're more open. Um, you're not. You're in the shower and you're just in the shower. You're not worrying about solving a problem. You're in the shower and suddenly the solution comes to you because you're not banging your head against it. Exactly. It's it's a beautiful, it's a it really is a cool, a really cool concept. Why don't more people follow it? <laughs> well, sometimes, like like I was, um, they're afraid of what they're gonna find out. <laughs> what were you afraid of? I was afraid of what I couldn't see. I was afraid of what I couldn't touch. I was afraid of what I couldn't explain. 
Um, I was afraid of being different. Um, um, I was afraid of lots of things. And all those fears basically shut me down. Now, what in fact shut me down, I can't tell you. I have no idea. But I was shut down. And it was this, again, it was that workshop that opened the door a crack. And it continued through. See, and I've had the same type of experience with people that are psychic mediums. And I have a really good friend that um, we started the show 20 years ago. Her name is Kim Miller. And she was a psychic medium and would come on the show and 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 read for people and, and that sort of thing. And I, there were some moments in time that I cannot prove any other way other than to say that she was talking to who she said she was talking to. There's, there's just no way, there's no way to explain it away. There's none. John Edward, I've interviewed him. There's no way to explain away what his gifts are and what he can do. You can't do what he did for my sister. I had him on the show and I didn't, didn't know if I would get very many calls. So I kind of fudged it and, and lined some calls up. He didn't know. He's a professional, and he, he was going to be on for an hour, and he came on the show at like 11.59 and a half. We were going to start at noon. And uh, so he didn't have any chance to prepare, mm -hmm. any chance to look at any of the people. And the first person that he talked to, because he, he likes to do readings and stuff because he was coming to Seattle, and, the first, and he started talking about uh, to the first person, who happened to be my sister. Mm -hmm. Now, he I didn't tell him that because he made it clear before we started that employees and relatives could not be on the show with him. Mm -hmm. um, but so I didn't tell him. <laughs> me. And uh, But uh, we, as they started going through the reading and everything lined up because her history is my history and I knew all of these things, didn't say anything, but, uh, you know, like, like how my grandfather died, how my other grandfather died, how the third grandfather died, um, what 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 month was important to my sister, what 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 names were important to my sister, and and various things like the letter R was important. Well, my brother's name is Randy. Her husband's name is Roger, mm -hmm. and and so, and he knew all this stuff. Had no earthly idea where she. He was in New York, and we were in Seattle. And so there's just no way that I could say. Like, like some um, psychologists will say, well, you know, it's a cold reading. And what they do is they find out information about you and they go and they go to Facebook and they go to here. My sister is not on Facebook. <laughs> um, she doesn't do any of that stuff. And he called it perfectly. I can't dispute that, even if I wanted to. Um, and so that gave me more ammunition for my belief structure, which is that yeah, we talk to people on the other side. We have guides. We have uh, folks that are and just talking to you. I get the same thing. Uh, again, you know, we have our five physical senses, and they're very powerful and and they're and they're essential. But we have we have other senses as well. We have other and and those senses are at least as powerful, and and reveal more. Um, if we allow ourselves to go to those places and then trust what what is revealed, and that's really again, you know, going back to that writing workshop and to and to what I teach and what I and what I write about, it's all about going within um, and going to those places that that 
our minds can't can't access. And if they do access, they don't trust them. Because we can't we can't see it. We can't prove it. We can't, it's not, it's not logically conventionally provable. And so um so we say no, as I did, you know, for many years. Well, that that that, that can't be true because you can't prove it. Well, it, well it's, yeah, I I, li I like to use the example. If we go back two hundred years, and you're talking to a man on the street in like St. Louis, and we're getting ready to take a covered wagon to the west, and you said, you know, there's going to be a time when there's going to be this little box, <laughs> and you're going to turn the label on there, the the this. You're going to turn the little box on and there's going to play music and people are going to talk out of the little box and so you would be, you would be called crazy or burned as a witch or burned as a witch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but that's what a radio is or a TV. So you can't see the signal. You don't even you have know. to go back 200 years. You can go back 50 years. That's true. You know, I mean the speed of, of what of change over the past 50, 50 years, um, my, my own lifetime, you know, there, there. When I had that, you know, when I say right, when I, when I was talking to that workshop, there was no internet. Right. You know, um, an answering machine was a big deal back then. Remember answering machines? <laughs> it was. It was so exciting to come home and have this little red blinking right. dot. Right. It was like, yeah. oh, good, somebody left a message. Right. Yeah. And I had my first answering machine was a Radio Shack answering machine that had this cool. <laughs> Remote, you 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 called in your number and hit a tone on this little remote, which triggered the machine to play back your messages. That was so cool. It was and magic, it, and it was magic. And and to think, yeah, and there was no voicemail, and of course, telephones were fixed to the wall. There weren't even plug-in phones yet at that point. So, and now to imagine that you walk around with with, in effect, the entire world in your pocket it's not just a phone anymore the entire world in your pocket well who, who would have believed that well gene roddenberry is the is the one who came up with some of that stuff and that was science fiction uh, back in the 60s and 70s of course yeah well you know when i when i, when I tell siri to do something it's the same thing as jean-luc picard saying computer do it right it's what 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 <laughs> what's the difference I'll never forget in Star Trek Three, Scotty was they went back in time, and Scotty was at a computer, and it was current day or like in the sixties, and he said, "Oh, computer," <laughs> and, and, and it it didn't work. Everybody thought it was crazy, um, but I wanted. To, we've only got, uh, gosh, I've got eleven minutes left to be on the radio at KKNW. Wow, wow! But that um, take a moment to let that sink in. Yeah, exactly. But I would love to be able to get all the information out about you so that people can attend your workshops and they can they can talk to you because if you if you think that you can write, even if you don't think you can write, but you want to learn something new, um, if this strikes you as as being an important thing that uh, we're we're just say yes. Just say yes. Mark David, how can somebody get a hold of you and how can they work with you? Sure. You can go to my website, which is markdavidgerson.com. Uh, Mark David Gerson, all one word. And Mark David Gerson is often my username on social media. It certainly is on Facebook. So you can find me there as well. On my website, you'll find all my books, which are also available you know, on other as, as 
paperbacks and ebooks, and in one case now, audiobook on all online uh, from all online retailers. Um, information on my coaching. I work with writers at all levels, um, regardless of the issues, um, as a as a writing coach. And there's information there on my website. Um, and I now have a bunch of workshops, recorded workshops on video that you can you can um, you can download. You can purchase for download on my website. Um, I just put the first four of those up today, as a matter of fact, and the other five or six will be up over the course of February. I hope. Well, isn't that a coincidence? You're isn't that a coincidence? <laughs> this is your last time to talk to this audience and the the workbook, and you just put them up today. Yeah. So the the, the workshops are um, birth your book now, um, um, organic screenwriting, which is also the name of my book on screenwriting. Um, time to write for all those people who say, you know, I'm going to write someday. Um, we'll all help you find the time to write today. Um, and what's the fourth one? Oh, from memory to memoir, which is all about helping you to write your uh, tell your the stories of your life to write your memoir. I'm one one of these days. I'm I'm gonna have to talk to you because I really would like to write uh, my memoir of of all the things that have happened to me and the things I've done in my life. It, it, looking back on it, do you find when you now that you are a little bit we'll call it a little bit more seasoned. <laughs> then you look back at your life and go, man, I've really had a good life. I've really done a lot of stuff. Well, you know, I wrote, I, I've written three or four memoirs. And when I wrote the first one, kind of reluctantly, actually, I wasn't all that keen on about writing it. It was amazing. Um, I didn't even, I discovered themes in my life I didn't know were there in writing this book. Um, it was a huge, I mean, whether anybody ever read it or not, at a certain point, it didn't even become the issue because it was hugely powerful for me to to revisit these stories and to see themes in my life that I again that I, I simply did not know were there, but that were that that have been there almost all along and are still there. It's amazing now that you mentioned that it it is. I think it's important for everybody to go through that exercise and write down the things that have happened in their life, and they'll begin to see patterns emerge. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and and there are patterns that were that are there that we're not aware of, and you know, I each of my not each of them, but uh, uh, six of the of the workshops have also have books. So there's a, I have a memoir writing book. I have a book on on birthing your book. The the title of the birthing your book book is birthing your book, even if you don't know what it's about, because maybe you feel a call to write something, but you don't know yet what it is. Well, I can help you find find. The what that is, um, book on screenwriting, book on writer's block. Um, so yeah, book on book on editing and revision for for when you finish your draft, your first draft. Is, now, did you do that? Did you go through the process in your first novel? Um, and did you send it to a um, uh, a uh, publisher and to an editor, or did you? I sent. I submitted my The Moon Quest, the first book, to tons of agents. Um, and actually, amazingly, got one um, who then was not able to sell it. So in the end, I actually I, I self-published everything. Well, because you you actually are more invested in it than than a lot of publishers would be. Well, and publishers are not all that keen to take chances on unknown writers, and publishers don't put a lot of energy into unknown writers anymore. They put the energy into where the money is, 
their, their energy into the into the blockbuster authors who already make, who are already making money for them, so they can make more money for them. Well, now that you've got twenty some odd books out there and stuff, do you have uh, publishers <laughs> breaking my door down? Yeah, this well, this would be poetic justice. Would be somebody when you first put your first book out, they say, "Oh no, no, no!" And now twenty twenty books later, they're like, "Hey, have you thought about a publisher? I'd love to work with you." And and well, you know, it's funny because again, at the beginning, I was all I wanted to do was get a an agent, a publisher, and be in bookstores. And the longer I've been in this business, the more I realize, you know what? I'm happy doing it this way. And if you want me, you, 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 you got to make me a really good offer now. Otherwise I'm quite happy to keep doing it myself. Yeah. And I got to, and just, I got to toot my own horn in a little bit. If you go, uh, just Google positive talk radio or Google positive talk with Kevin McDonald, we are just about everywhere. And we've got, I've got 1100 episodes of, awesome. of, of stuff. So just, you can find i'm easy to find mark david gerson's easy to find you can find yourself too if you but if you want to learn how to be a, a really top-notch writer go talk to mark david i think mark david would be able to help you a lot don't you think i i've helped lots of writers i can help you find your idea get your idea on the page uh, keep you accountable help you find the time and even walk you through through some of the uh, some of the publishing stuff at the other end and I really, really appreciate you being here because this was this. I can't think of a better way to end than to have a author like you, who also is a very spiritual man and a very gifted at uh, understanding how it all works and how it works for you. And it doesn't matter how anybody else thinks it works, right? Absolutely. Yep. And actually, and I'm very honored to be your 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 last guest on the on this show. Thank you very much. It's been great. I wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, um, I, I've got just two minutes. Um, would you, is there anything you'd like to add before before I, I say my adieu to the audience? Yep. Um, find your passion and surrender to it, whatever it is. That's a, that's a bumper sticker and a T-shirt. <laughs> find your passion and surrender to it. I can't think of anything better to end the, end the show with. And uh, um so mark david gerson and i gotta invite eric back just real quick if he's if he <laughs> he's, he's going home <laughs> he, he went, he's in the bathroom no i've got to go I, home i'm listening in enjoying the convo. <laughs> eric is not often i get to say this you have been a the utmost professional and a gentleman i love working with you and uh you haven't changed a bit in 20 years. Next time I see you, you may be a little grayer and stuff, but uh, I want to thank you for you and KKNW for hosting the show for as long as we have. Thank you. It, it has been a pleasure. And you have a great day. Take care of yourself. And if anybody uh, wants to find me, they can always go to KM Media at, uh, at, at com let's see, no, Kevin at KMmedia.pro. That's it. Kevin at kmmedia.pro and and all that kind of good stuff. And Mark David Gerson, it I got to tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. And uh, I wish you well, Thank and you. I hope the next several books uh, sell million copies. Works for me. Thank you so much, Kevin, and, and good luck to you as you move as you move on as well. Thank, thank you. It ain't over. 
It's no, just no, it ain't over. <laughs> and by the way, everybody, be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. And I'll see you down the road somewhere. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.